Our gospel reading for today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 to 33. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, we've all done it. We've all done it. And, and here this morning, I'm, I'm here to tell you that today it's okay to admit it. And I will be the first one to admit it myself. There have been times, on occasion, once or twice, by accident, where I kind of, sort of, let my mind get a little bit distracted while saying the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, I try really hard not to, but sometimes it, it just happens. And my guess is that you know what I'm talking about. You're, you're sitting in worship, and the prayer begins, and as the prayer begins, you are right there. You are confident. You are loud. You are strong. You know this prayer. You've done it a thousand times. It starts, you say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and lettuce and tomato and bacon and, oh no, now I'm thinking about eating a BLT. Now, maybe you haven't gone down that exact road, but, but maybe something similar to it. And, you know, the, the Lord's Prayer, it's the same every time, which is a huge blessing because, you know, we, we always have those words to pray. But, but with all of that repetition, you know, we've done it so many times that in some ways it can become like muscle memory. It, it can be something that we've done so many times that maybe we don't have to think about it all that much. Or it's something like um, you've done it so many times that you just feel like, hey, I can just go on autopilot a little bit. When it comes to, uh, to being with our kids at youth group, I, I do a lot of the, the praying. I've had kids who have told me, hey, when it comes time for pray, Sam, I know exactly what you are going to say. I know exactly how your prayer goes because you pray the same way every single time. And I've noticed that even when, when I do get kids to, to volunteer to be prayer leaders, they've started to copy me in some ways. Why? Because they've heard me do the same prayer for six or seven years now. Now, I'm not saying that, um, that that's bad. I'm not saying that every time we pray, we have to come up with some kind of unique and special prayer every time. It is, it is completely possible that you could pray the same prayer 10 times or 100 times and mean every single word of that prayer 
all 10 times or all 100 times. And I'm not saying that if you do accidentally go on autopilot or allow for muscle memory to take over, that Jesus doesn't hear that prayer. That is not at all. I'm not saying either of those two things. But we've been talking about prayer as this intimate mode of, of communication between us and our, our Father in heaven. And so if we're going on autopilot, if we're kind of letting our mind drift, I think that takes away a little bit of the intention of what prayer is, is supposed to be. You know, we, we've all been in a conversation with somebody, and you know, you're just going on and on. You're having a great time talking about something, and then you realize, I don't think this person's listening to half of the things I'm saying, right? And it's not a great experience to only have somebody have half of their mind or half of their heart in the conversation. Now, these last three weeks as a church, as I mentioned, we've been focusing on this topic of prayer. This is part of our congregational study, something we've been doing for the last number of weeks, and we'll continue on for a handful of weeks as well. Uh, it includes this sermon series. It also includes, you know, weekly Bible studies and discussions. And to this point, we've detailed how prayer is that intimate mode of conversation between us and our Heavenly Father. We've also gotten into how through prayer, we are offered a couple of different things. We are offered uh, the opportunity to go to God and to confess, to admit all of our shortcomings, all of our mistakes, all of our sins, and then to receive his forgiveness. And then additionally, through prayer, we are said to receive this special sense of peace. We like to say that this is a peace that surpasses all understanding. This week, we continue this series on prayer as we consider what it means to pray with faith. Now, praying with faith, that might sound a little bit redundant. Likely that if you have any amount of faith, it's going to lead you into prayer. Otherwise, if you didn't have that, that faith, you might not be willing to do this whole prayer thing in the first place. Now, praying with faith can mean a couple of different things. As we've already gotten into, praying with faith means praying with meaning. Praying with intentionality and with your heart fully in it, not just going on autopilot, not allowing for your heart to be taken out of the prayer. Praying with faith is also largely about praying with confidence that the Holy Spirit is going to be working in your prayer and that the Holy Spirit is going to be working through your prayer. This is one of our, our core beliefs about prayer. Now, the Apostle Paul talks about this, the work of the Holy Spirit through prayer, and we read part of this earlier. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Paul says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, there are two parts of this text that we're going to get into today. The first thing that we need to talk about is this idea of the Holy Spirit interceding for us. I mentioned earlier that, uh, that when it comes to, to being with our, our kids, I have done a lot of the praying at the beginning of youth group and at the end of youth group. And the reason for that is that praying for a group, and especially praying in front of a group, can be very, very intimidating. So often we don't know what to say. It's kind of a scary thing in some ways. If, if I had a dollar for every time I, I had a Bible study and I said, all right, kids, who wants to close us in prayer? And I heard crickets. If I had a dollar for every time that happened, I would be so, so, so rich because it can be intimidating. But even so, Jesus makes us this promise, this promise that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us or that the Holy Spirit steps in for us on our behalf and leads us. 
And so if we are praying with faith, then we are praying with the confidence that the Holy Spirit is going to be active in our prayer and further that the Holy Spirit is going to be active through our prayer. Now the second thing that we need to talk about is this idea of why. Why does the Holy Spirit have to intercede for us? Why does the Holy Spirit have to give us the words? Why, don't, why can't we do it? Well, the, the scripture is, is really, really clear. It couldn't be any more clear. We don't know what to pray for. And, and often this comes in confusing or disguising our wants and our needs. We like to confuse our wants and our needs. This is something that we're working on uh, really hard at, at my house right now. We have a, an almost three-year-old and our almost three-year-old is, is trans- transitioning into a new sleeping arrangement. Uh, no longer is our son in the crib. Now he's in a transitional bed, which just means it's his crib mattress, um, but he doesn't, it's not confined to like the actual walls. So that means this kid can get in and out of bed as often as he wants to. And oh boy, does this kid take full advantage of that. So we know that bedtime is not like a simple thing at our house right now. It is, it's a marathon. It is just, it, can, it goes, you know, sometimes, sometimes if we're lucky, like last night, I think he came out of his room four times. That was a good night. Sometimes it's like six, seven, eight, nine times. And, and every time he comes out of his room after bedtime, he says the, first, the same first two words every time. He says, I need It's always, I need something. First time he comes out, every single time, it's, I need my water. So we we put his water cup right by his bed. So he comes out and says, I need my water. Okay, buddy, like, it, it was right there. Let's go back and let's get it. And so he gets his drink of water and he goes back to bed. 60 to 90 seconds later, you hear that door open again. He comes out, I need to sing you a song. So then he sings us a song. And, and don't get me wrong, it's the cutest thing. It's like, I know I'll miss this at some, some point, but right now, it's a little bit frustrating. <laughs> so he sings us a song, and then we, we go back and we, we put him into bed, and then 60 to 90 seconds later, you hear that doorknob click again, and he comes out, and he says, well, I need my snuggles. Okay, 10 minutes later, you know, you, you come out of the room, and then 60 to 90 seconds after that, he needs his green rope. Always, every night, he needs this, this darn green rope. It's just like a two feet of like green rope. I don't know what his fascination is. But he needs his green rope, and then so you give him that, and then he goes back to bed, and then he comes back out, and he needs the next toy that he can think of. Sometimes he comes out, and he says, I need, I need, and he's just looking around the room, <laughs> and he's like figuring out what it is that he needs this time. Right? And, it, and it's really, really a, like a kind of a comical thing. Um, but we're working really hard to help him understand the difference between things that he wants and things that he needs. Now, this is something that that our our reading from Matthew talks about. Matthew 6 comes to us from the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. In this text, Jesus is speaking to the crowd, um, but he's also speaking to us. And as he speaks, he tells us, do not be anxious, especially about things like what we will eat or what we will drink or what we will wear. Now, it's at least a little bit uh, odd that Jesus points out these three things. You know, he says, don't be anxious about what you eat, what you drink, or what you'll wear. Those are three things, like three huge sources of anxiety for so many different people. How many of us have anxiety over what we eat? You know, we sit down, we think, what am I going to eat for this meal? 
And then, then you have to kind of do the mental gymnastics. Is, am I eating too much? Am I not eating enough? Am I eating something that's, that's healthy? Am I eating junk food? You know, we get anxiety over what we eat, or we get anxiety over what it is that we drink. We think, you know, before I have this massive two liter of Coke, have I had enough water today? Or, or uh, we go to Starbucks or wherever else and say, you know, do I really need to pay this, this amount of money for, you know, this cup of coffee or, or whatever the case may be? Or we have uh, anxiety over our clothing, anxiety over our appearance. We, before we leave the house, we ask questions like, you know, is, is what I'm wearing flattering? Does this work? Is, is what I'm wearing appropriate? Is what I'm wearing trendy enough? Now, I, I was curious about this, and I found this, this study that said for, for those who are going out to dinner, if you're going out to dinner, 65% of people said that experience of going out to dinner, that is the most stressful part of their day. Now, that might sound a little bit strange, because you might think, oh, going out to dinner is supposed to be like a nice, nice experience. But as you think about it, you think, okay, well, before you go out to dinner, you've got to think about, well, what am I going to wear out to dinner? Do I need to dress nice? Is it okay if I dress casually? If I dress casually, is somebody going to look at me and think, why didn't this guy dress up nicer? You sit down, you look at the menu, and it's maybe too big, and it's overwhelming, and you're thinking, what am I, I going to eat here? Is this going to leave my stomach full, or am I going to be hungry? Am I going to go with water? Am I going to go with a soft drink? Am I going to have an adult beverage? Like, there are all these things that give us anxiety. And so what does Jesus say? He says, do not be anxious. Don't be anxious. But Jesus, we're clearly very good at being anxious. It's something that we do best. Now, after Jesus tells us not to be anxious, he goes on to help us understand why. And he does so by pointing at two different, two different places. He, he points us in the direction of the, the birds of the air and then to the lilies of the field. He says, look at the birds of the air. You know, they, they don't plant seeds. They don't tend to, to gardens. Um, they don't pick their crop or anything like that, but yet Jesus still provides for the birds of the air. And as for the lilies of the field, he says, you know, they don't, they don't do much either. But yet we still look at the lilies of the field and think, what a, what a beautiful thing. What a precious thing. And so the, the birds, they don't stress, they don't have anxiety over things like what they eat or what they drink or what they wear, but yet God still provides for their needs. And the lilies don't stress, they don't have anxiety over things like what they eat or what they drink or what they wear, but yet God still provides for their needs. And so when we pray, when we go to God in prayer, what should we pray for? Should we pray for the things that we need or should we be praying for the things that we want? Well, the, the answer is yes. We should be praying for all of it. Scripture tells us to bring every, every petition to our Lord in prayer. You know, be honest with him, lay it all down at, at the king's feet, right? But he also says this in John, uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. He says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so we pray for it all. We, we lay it all out there for Jesus. We tell him our wants. We tell him our needs. But above everything else, we are to pray that his will would be done. Praying confidently that he knows what it is that we truly need and that he will provide for it. 
Now, we've gotten into to three texts today. You know, we started back in Romans. Our gospel reading was from Matthew, and then here just a moment ago, we read from 1 John. As I was, you know, working with these texts this week, preparing for this weekend, there was a song that just kept on playing in my mind, just on repeat, a song on loop all week long. Um, and it's not a song that I ever would have thought would have been on repeat in my head. This song is, it's not a hymn, so you're not going to find it in the hymnal in the pew in front of you. This song is not a contemporary worship song, so if you get in the car on the drive home and turn on Caleb or Shine.fm or whatever else, you're not going to find that song in there either. Um, you might find this song in your old record cabinet. Or if you're somebody who likes to listen to the oldie station, that might be the place where you find this song. And my guess is that even if you haven't listened to this song in a long time, you probably know it. You can't always get what you want, right? In my head all week, you can't always get what you want. But isn't there a little bit of a truth in that? You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you just might find, what do you find? You get what you need, right? Now, no like, I, that song is by the Rolling Stones. And I highly doubt that as Mick Jagger wrote this song, it's because he was like pouring over Matthew 6 and was thinking, you know what? There's a hit in here. Now, I don't think that that's what happened, but I think that from a Christian perspective, there is still truth in this. That when we pray with faith, praying intentionally with our heart fully in it, confident that the Holy Spirit is at work in our prayer, confident that the Holy Spirit is at work through our prayer, with our heart completely in it, then it's true. We may not get what we want. But Jesus is undoubtedly going to provide us with what we need. And so we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be stressed. We don't have to worry. He knows all of your needs, and he will provide. And so now we go to Jesus in prayer, praying just for that, praying not for our will, not for our, just our wants, but also for his will and for our needs. And so I invite you to pray with me. Jesus, in prayer, we have the opportunity to share all of our wants and needs with you. While we may not know what to pray for or what to say, you promise that the Holy Spirit will intercede for us. We ask for his guidance in this prayer, and above all things, we pray that your will would be done. And it's in your name that we pray, and all God's people said, Amen.